Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the EduMagic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. I knew there had to be a good fit out there. And when there wasn't, friends were like, hello, doesn't this tell you there might be room for more models for our kids? And what are you going to do about it? Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, the show where educators can come find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Welcome back, Leader of Learning, to episode 57 of the Leader of Learning podcast. And before I go any further, I wanted to take this opportunity to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great one and uh, that you ate a lot, but more importantly, that you had time to really spend with family and giving thanks for the amazing things that have been given to you in your lives. I want to give thanks to you the listeners of this show for being a part of my life and for supporting my mission as I host this show and produce what I like to think of as great content here every two weeks. I have another great episode for you this time. Episode 57 features a guest, Maureen O'Shaughnessy, who, you know, all of my guests really are educators and people tied to the education field who are looking to improve upon education. But what Maureen has done and what some other educators are starting to do is to say our traditional K-12 education system is flawed. And the way that I can go about changing that is not to just improve the schools that already exist, but to actually open new schools and new schools that are very different, very non-traditional Now, Maureen does this by opening micro schools, and what I've come to learn about micro schools is that they are very small settings with extremely low student-to-teacher ratios, and Maureen's schools are typically ones that really push boundaries of innovative teaching and learning. And so I'm just going to jump right into it. Here is my interview with Maureen O'Shaughnessy. Another amazing guest here in this episode. It's my pleasure to be speaking with Maureen O'Shaughnessy. And uh, I'm excited to talk to Maureen for lots of reasons, but mainly because of just the ability that she brings to the table and has brought to the table for a long time with innovating in schools. And so Maureen, welcome to the show. And if you could, uh, please let the listeners know who you are, where you are and what you do. Hi. Okay. Well, as Dan said, I'm Maureen O'Shaughnessy, and I am the founding director of a micro school called Leadership Preparatory Academy. And we have two tiny campuses, one in Seattle and one just 15 minutes away in Kirkland. And this is the fourth micro school I have worked in. And I am an educational innovator. I'm also a frustrated mom who wants more for our kids. And this is the middle school, high school I wish had been there for my daughters. So I have lots of questions for you around micro schools. But before we get there, I love that you introduce yourself as and refer to yourself as an educational innovator. Um, I know you've been in the game of education for a long time and you've been innovating for a long time. Like, what does that mean to you? Why is it that you introduce yourself like that? 
I think when we think educator, we think back to what we had for our school experience and the desks and the rows and the textbooks with the quizzes at the end of each chapter kind of model. And there are so many amazing innovations out there, so many progressive educators doing things in a way that are more 21st century, more inclusive, more relevant, that when we talk innovations, we're talking something very different from the lockstep kind of one size fits all model that's been around for over 100 years. That's great. And like I said, I have lots of questions and I'm going to get to the micro school thing in a second, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't back up and go back to another thing that you mentioned in your introduction, which was that you're a frustrated parent. And um, I think a lot of times I'm a frustrated parent too, but, but probably for different reasons. Uh, I think I get frustrated at my kids themselves and, and not uh, what you're talking about. But what does that mean? Uh, I'm assuming that your your stu- your kids as students were having difficulty in school, but it may or may not have been about their abilities. Maybe I'm, I'm guessing. What was what was that about? Why were you so frustrated? Absolutely, I completely think that you've defined it. I raised my girls in international schools, which were small, very inclusive, very flexible, and then I came back to the Seattle area at the end of their middle school year because I wanted them to have more options for high schools. And one of my daughters had an ADHD autism diagnosis, another one gifted and had jumped a grade and spent a summer at Stanford at Johns Hopkins Center for Talented Youth. And so neither of them were the mainstream kid. They were both outliers and high school was horrific. It was a combination of eight different experiments. And finally, I just helped them both graduate early and end the agony. When you say eight different experiments, that's eight different schools that your kids went to? Different models, different schools, international baccalaureate, homeschool, online, all girls, um, dual enrollment with college. Yes, it was really challenging, but I was like not going to give up. I knew there had to be a good fit out there. And when there wasn't, friends were like, hello, doesn't this tell you there might be room for more models for our kids? And what are you going to do about it? So I was kind of challenged to take it on. And and then I did. That's great. And that's an excellent tease, but I'm not going to get there yet. Um, (laughs) First, I want to ask you, what was um, how did you break into education? What was your experience kind of coming through before the the frustration with your kids and and obviously how your career has uh, diverged, I guess, uh, from where you started? So I have always been an explorer and a creator. So I studied in Mexico and Spain. I taught in Spain. I I taught a different grade every year. I hopped around the world with my girls in two-year hops and on different continents and tried different innovations, started a, a school within a school at a really large high school where a lot of kids, 700 kids per grade. So a lot of kids were unknown and falling through the cracks. So I'm an explorer and it really gives me great joy to to look, learn, create more options for students so that they can have success. So I've focused a lot of my exploration energy around how to create programs and models that serve students. So did you find that uh, as you taught and traveled and bounced around from school to school internationally? I found it in little ways in some schools 
And in bigger ways, like I was hired to start a micro school in the Andes for a Canadian mining company. And that was 100% creativity. And whoa, what's this going to look like? So I found it in varying degrees. I started a, a gifted program in an elementary school that I taught in. So in little ways in some schools, in bigger ways in other schools, a lot of cross-age mentoring programs. I started them whether I was working with kindergarten or working with fifth graders. So sometimes it was on a smaller scale. And especially when I was working on my master's and my doctorate, that took more energy. And sometimes it was on a larger scale if I wasn't in grad school. Okay. This is the moment that at least I've been waiting for. What is a micro school? Um, You know, I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down in terms of like, I, I'm putting myself in, in your words now. I don't know why I'm doing that, but like, I didn't really like what I was seeing in terms of the quote unquote traditional model. I wanted to change that up. I wanted to innovate. I wanted to make schools different and better. So tell us then where does, where do micro schools come in? How do they fit into that equation? I think right now our society is getting more distant, using more screens, less contact time, less run outside and play with the neighbor kids in the evening. So I think that the opposite is to have smaller, more intimate settings where kids are seen, known, valued. And anytime we're smaller, we have the opportunity to be more personal and more intentional. So a smaller school setting, like a lot of Montessori programs for little guys, we know that those are great. And yet middle school, when kids are all of a sudden getting hit by these hormones, we say, oh, let's put them in a huge school. And oh, they have executive functioning stuff going on with all those hormones. Let's give them seven different bosses to to manage every day. So we go the opposite direction. At the time, they're pushing away from parents and pushing away from being mentored and supported by adults. We put them in huge settings and say, hey, guys, make it work. So the idea of micro is, or maybe you keep it small. Maybe you make it multi-age so that it's not about how you are. You know, I was born on this date, so I'm with this group of kids studying this level of math with this level of social skills. Maybe you mix it up a little bit so they get to be authentically who they are, a little faster, a little slower. There's just a nimbleness when a school is smaller and more personalized in their approach than there is when when I've managed schools of a thousand. I don't have the flexibility to create that personalization. It's just too many bodies. Okay. So here's what I'm here's what I'm uh, kind of taking in from all that. That micro school um, and, and quite literally the definition there is really all about making school smaller uh, in terms of the total population and also class size and therefore uh, much more personalized, individualized and obviously differentiated for students. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And then bonus if you use that smaller size to start innovating, to flip the classroom, to have project-based learning, to have a lower student-teacher ratio with teachers as guides and letting kids go with their passions. So size isn't the only factor. Hopefully that opens it up for a lot of other creative pieces to come in so that it's truly innovative and not just a smaller traditional school, which could miss a lot of opportunities if it's just repeating the same textbook teacher-driven instruction on a smaller scale. It's kind of missed the opportunity. Can I ask you a question out of sheer curiosity? So I think I understand that smaller classes, smaller schools, and more personalization and differentiation are really great for students. Um, With these larger, more traditional public schools, um, 
not all of them and maybe not a lot of them, but at least some of them are starting to innovate and and use flipped classroom ideas and and of course blended learning and and all that, you know, genius hour and and entrepreneur classes. Um what I guess I guess my question is what's to say that students would be more successful in micro school settings than a traditional public school setting? You know, I applaud the innovations that are happening in larger schools. And I don't think it's really about one is better than the other. I just think you and I have, even within the field of education, so many different directions we can go and we can play to our strengths and our preferences. And I think we should have a lot more options for kids so we can play to their strengths too. I think that large school environment with all of the electives and extracurriculars and foreign languages and the entrepreneurship class could be amazing for kid A and kid B could be lost, overwhelmed, uh, bullied, having a hard time getting to school every day. So something smaller that says, hey, I see you, I'm going to work with you where you are, could be what it takes for that other student to really thrive and have a successful learning experience. So I'm saying both and. Mm. Let me, uh, I want to share a story with you real, really quickly that comes to mind when I hear you talk about micro-schooling and um, dare I use the words alternative school. Um, I, I have a twin brother and I don't, I think I've shared this story uh, on the podcast before. I don't really know, but um, I have a twin brother and he is definitely not your typical, he wasn't your typical student in school. And our high school, um, we grew up in New York State. And so in New York State, they have these regional education centers called BOCES. And uh, I think this was a BOCES sponsored sort of alternative program that my brother actually got to attend uh, when we were seniors in high school. And I think I can safely say that not only did going to an alternative program and a much smaller setting and and much smaller class sizes, uh, not only did that help him really like sort of blossom, for lack of a better term, into his own person and become more independent. I believe that that's what actually got him into college and got him to be successful in his career as well. Um, I'm assuming you can kind of point to lots of similar stories uh, about students who you've been working with. And I don't know, maybe your kids, I'm, I'm hoping it wasn't too late for them. Uh, you mentioned before you were a frustrated parent and your kids were uh, struggling, let's say, in, in the traditional school setting. What about some success stories with this micro school approach? Wow. Yes, we do have wonderful success stories. A population I never even anticipated when I opened our doors was we have had every year out of our, we have 15 kids on one campus and, and 22 on the other campus, and we would never have over 30 on either campus. So we want to stay small. And every year we've had three or four students that have come out of residential treatment programs out of state for anxiety, for a lot of things that are pressure related. And the public school district near us said, wow, you are actually a sanctuary for these kids that have had a lot of pressures. And to put them back in a high school with 1,500, 2,000 kids while they're coming out of all of this and really having a good game plan would just be 
horrific. And so they said, we'll pay public school funding for you because you have a therapeutic milieu. And we have a shared counselor one hour a week that we share with three other schools. So it's not that we have therapists or special educators or anything, but just being that small place, kids have come in like, I'm anxious. I don't know. I don't know. Or um, I was bullied for my gender identity. I don't know. I don't know. And then within a day or two to see them laughing, we had a kid, something went really wrong in an all boy high school and he missed the rest of his ninth grade year. And he came to us at the beginning of 10th grade year and the, it had almost been agoraphobia. He couldn't even leave his room for good reasons for that year. And now he's showing up. He's been with us for three years and he's there after long weekends. Sometimes it's hard. It takes a day or so to get him back on track, but we're small. We can text him. His buddies can text say, hey, just come for lunch today. Let's get you back in the groove. Just, I I had no idea that there were so many fragile kids. But when I look at the anxiety and depression numbers, when I look at all the sensory things going on with kids, the ADHD, for them to get to be in a place where they're seen and valued and all of this is normalized because all of these outliers are actually the majority, I see a lot of success. And we have a lot of parents that are just so grateful that there's a model that meets the kid where the kid is. And then we move forward on those growth edges together. That's fantastic. And uh, I'm actually... Looking at the lead prep website, that's your uh, micro school, right? Yep. And you have, it looks like two different campuses and uh, grades six through 12. I'm looking at teacher student ratio of one to six. That's amazing. I know you just said that you like not to exceed 30 students and that's in the whole school, right? Grades six through 12. Yep. That's amazing. So um, what kinds of things are you doing there at, at Lead Prep? And by the way, that this website is really is really nice looking and uh, kudos to whoever whoever manages your website. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now and I'm getting a lot of uh, really great information. Tell us about some of the programs that happen there. Thank you. And first of all, the, the website was put together by the first dad that put his kid in our school when we were just an idea. We're really grassroots and all of our parents dive in and help out. It's it's such a neat community. So I, because I'm not bound by tradition and I was at a lot of other schools where I was the, the director or the head, I just got to pick and choose what I thought was really cool. And that's the beauty of micro schools. Somebody else could go a totally different direction. So I chose a later start time. I just don't like seeing zombie kids, teens, you know, at 7.30 in the morning, seven in the morning, a zero hour class, 6.30 in the morning, half awake. So we start at nine, Monday through Thursday, and Fridays are 10 to three. We're very experiential and expeditionary. So we've done a camping trip this year and on Fridays and camping trips and whatnot, both campuses get together. We're one community. Our teachers are two days of blocks in one school, two days of blocks on the other campus. So we share our teachers. So we're expeditionary. A really cool feature I love is we're flipped. So homework is watching the video the mini lecture for 10 minutes, answering a few questions on Google Classroom, and then you come and work on your projects using design thinking at school with teachers guiding, which is upper level teaching distinguished in Danielson's model when teachers are guiding and students are actually leading the learning experience. We do a lot of service. Fridays are not the academic day. They We have field trips, service projects, guest speakers, and environmental days. 
And then we have two more intensive weeks during the year. One, a service week in the spring or an international travel week. And then between semesters this year, we're adding intensives based on teacher passion. So there's going to be a cooking one, a winter camping one, a recycled art one, and the kids will get five days of intensives in an area. So we have Toastmasters for public speaking. We have social emotional learning woven in and we do emotional awareness check-ins and a little bit of DBT just to kind of be aware of managing different emotions. It's really whatever somebody wants in their micro school. And these are 21st century. These are kids doing the thinking, project managing. These are things I think are really relevant for kids moving forward. So those are some of the features that lead prep. That's great. And again, I'm, I'm looking at the website. You talked about the experiential approach to learning. And uh, it says right here that you dedicate Fridays at the schools, at the campuses to experiential outings, uh, including service learning, such as building schools in Nicaragua, cooking, serving at a homeless teen shelter, planting trees, much more, and that the students engage in uh, problem solving with an emphasis on even things like social justice. And I think that's awesome. And and I guess what I'm wondering, as I say all those things, and I'm, I'm thinking about just the great experiences that students must be getting at these schools, um, my audience is largely, largely other educators, uh, but many of whom I'm going to assume are also parents. And maybe they're frustrated just like you were with uh, the fact that traditional schooling may not be meeting the needs of their actual kids at home. What kind of advice would you have for them? What other information maybe haven't you shared yet that you would like to kind of appeal to those parents who um, are also struggling with their own kids not being able to succeed in school the way that they would want them to? So for me, the elephant in the room is that our public general education model is not working well enough. Washington state is an affluent state with Boeing, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and we have a 25% dropout rate and a 33% dropout rate if it's a special education student with an individualized plan. So we have kids getting through high school that aren't college ready and they can't take 100 level classes and above. To me, that's appalling. And that says we need to be challenging the paradigm. Just like child labor laws in the past, people had to say, wait a minute, this is not how we want our kids to be treated. We have to fight for something different. So I worked this summer and that. I need to take it beyond what I'm doing locally in in Seattle. And I wrote a book on how to start a micro school because these outliers are the majority of our kids, kids with ADHD, with autism, that are sensitive, that are gifted and want to go faster, that have a medical situation or ACEs or something. There's so many outliers are actually the majority. And we have a problem because we're using an old system to deal with new learners that are wired differently. So I wrote this micro school guidebook and it's one way that people can come together and say, yeah, we want to make a difference. And, and it's the seven steps that lead prep took and it's explained. And then a section on how lead prepped it all those seven steps and what we need is people to say this is not okay and i'm going to call out that elephant in the middle of the room and i am going to form a tribe and create an option instead of lamenting these seven years of secondary ed i can watch my kids suffer through and cross my fingers force the situation or i can make a change that will serve some kids if not my kids maybe it'll serve other kids so that's what i would wish that educators and frustrated parents or creative people say heck yes i want more options i'm going to dive in and be a part of this chain and so 
the book that you mentioned uh, came out not too long ago. It's Creating Micro Schools for Colorful Mismatched Kids. And uh, just, I guess, one final question about that book. So it's it sounds like then it's not necessarily for um, it's it's not necessarily about how to innovate in the classroom and, and how to get kids to uh, conduct more experiential learning necessarily, but it's a little bit more about how to actually build these micro schools and, and how to use them to really buck the system and, and uh, you know, just m- take education to that next level, right? Absolutely. Whether it's a school within a school in a public setting or a homeschool co-op that you take the rest of the way and make it into a school setting. Yes, it is. It's like, let's buck the system and make more relevant options for our learners. That's excellent. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm I'm fascinated uh, by this idea. And, you know, there is a lot of innovation happening in schools. I believe that. But um, I hear you when you say that it's just not enough or it's not moving fast enough for our 21st century. And <laughs> let's face it, we're almost 20 years in now. Um, you know, 21st century learners and our modern students, it's just not its not fast enough for them. It's not working for many of them. So um, I get that and I, and I appreciate it. And I really loved having you on and, and having you share all of the stuff that you've shared. Um, if there is more that people want to find out, let's say uh, parents, again, of, of kids who, you know, school, traditional school is maybe just not for them. Um, how do they find out more information? Maybe they're not looking to open a micro school, but they're looking to get more information about micro schools and about alternative settings to the traditional public schools that they're in. How can they find you? How can they find more information? So this is a guidebook to really support the micro school movement. And we also have formed a micro school coalition. So it's microschoolcoalition.com. And we have a directory that we're growing as we speak of micro schools. So there's a place to sign up and say, hey, I want to start a micro school. Hey, I want to see what's out there and a place for micro schools to share resources and collaborate with each other so we can help each other thrive. So the microschoolcoalition.com would be where I would send parents existing micro schools or people that want to start a micro school so that they can be collaborating and having that community of support. That's excellent. So we have a couple of websites here. It's leadprep.org and that's lead hyphen prep.org. We also have microschoolcoalition.com, uh, microschoolcoal or coal on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. There's lots of information out there. And again, the book that just came out not too long ago, Creating Micro Schools for Colorful Mismatched Kids. Maureen, thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you for giving me this time and really enlightening me and hopefully my listeners too about this amazing movement called micro schools. I think it's really great. Thank you, Dan. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Maureen, for being a guest on the show. Guys, like I said at the beginning, normally I get to speak to guests on here who, of course, are leaders of learning who want to make the education system better. But few have done, I think, what Maureen did, which was to say, I want to open up my own schools and schools that will get things done in much different and non-traditional ways. And I have a lot of respect for that. Of course, if you want to find out more information on micro schools or you have questions about potentially opening a school like Maureen did and has done throughout her career, find her, look up the coalition that she spoke of. And uh, I would really encourage you that if you truly 
are someone listening to this show and you want to do more than what is already being done in your schools, in your districts, in your states, maybe this is for you. Thanks again so much for listening. And I hope you tune in to our next episode, episode 58, that will hit your favorite podcast app two weeks from today. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you enjoy the content shared on the show, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. I would also appreciate it if you would leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use to listen. For more information about me or this show, head over to leaderoflearning.com. While you're there, you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, how to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even find out how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a Leader of Learning.